Hello there and welcome back to another episode on the Miraculous Being series. Today we are going to continue our conversation with Neerja Ganesh. This is a guest interview episode which is a two-part series. If you've not already tuned in, listen to part 1. The link is added in the comment section below. I think what stood out to me is that I am an introvert myself and for all of us there's usually that one moment in terms of what really shifts in us to make us speak up that once because once we do then continuing to speak yes. up is not that hard but what i'm curious about is that what do you think shifted in you in this scenario that made you say that i can no longer be quiet here i think it was about uh, two things right one was the entire team was looking up to me because mm-hmm. i had i had not taken the position but somebody had given me the position to represent the team mm-hmm. represent the team i was the only one who could attend those meetings i was the only one who you know could write an email to say that we are doing well you know don't keep telling us that bangalore is not performing these are our challenges it was me i i was the representative so i felt the need to you know honor that uh, and ensure that uh, justice is done for them and we make life better for them because they are doing everything that they can right and the organization needs to know that there are problems elsewhere and that also needs to be fixed so it was not that i was just complaining but i was trying to go with the solution and also trying to open their minds to say that hey uh, there could be problems elsewhere can we look at fixing that before you know talking about us so i think the fact that i felt responsible towards my team uh good question i don't know if uh, if it was not a team uh, responsibility if it was something that uh, was being done to me at a personal level would i have gone and you know fought it out and spoken up i don't know at that point in time would i have i don't know today i will for sure uh, but uh, that was definitely one of the reasons the second was um, and i'll tell you this i asked my peers and everyone else before i opened my mouth to the managing director how is it that you are able to comply i did ask them i didn't go running so let me learn from them and this is an example a statement which was made by another person so you know i don't know how many understand we were a production support team which means we we take calls from customers and uh, there is a problem and we try to understand analyze the problem and give a work around a solution now if it needs a code fix because we are a software company if it needs a software change it's not our team that will do it we will pass it to another team so our job is just to take calls and sometimes it doesn't need a software change it's probably the way the software has been installed set up understanding of the user etc so that's what we had to do now in that checklist where we had to say compliance right there was a question which said do you have coding standards now we don't code so we don't have coding standards but the answers could be yes or no so i said no and it brought down my compliance ideally the sheet itself is wrong right you should say yes no not applicable because mm-hmm. it's not applicable but that that's how they coded the sheet so now this other person also had a production support team so i asked him how did you answer this he said i just created a coding standards document put it in the drive and i said yes so that's that's when i realized that the organization doesn't know whether we are really complying or not the managing director is taking it at face value right and if we do not bring this up tomorrow the external auditors will come and they will tell us that you know we are not doing a great job so i felt responsible towards the organization also and so i i did not put him on spot but i asked a question to the md so that there can be in some way some clarity evolves and we can and eventually it fixed the problem 
So I think that's that's what it was. These were the two reasons. I think the responsibility that you carry as a leader is huge. You got to do the right things. How much ever you get beaten up for it. So that's what it is. Ah, so powerfully put. I'm going to like tape that separately and take it out as a snippet. Very, very powerful. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. And you know, you also spoke about how uh, you know you you are a person who. is meticulous and you know you make your priorities even in a startup world where it wasn't very organized or in an ngo you mentioned that you know you make sure that you have your priorities so uh curious to understand your journey as in when did you really discover the need for priorities in your life and how did you go about making that happen for you um i think uh, before the priorities uh, question i think we may want to talk about the values right somewhere i think the two may be Uh, you know spoken of together or one kind of leads to the other i think the values that i have and that have been instilled in me or what i kind of you know built in myself because of what i observed around me i i kind of stick to them i always so for example one of the values that i carry very heavily is the value for family right so from there is where what my priority stemmed that uh, whatever i do family has to come first doesn't mean that you don't put your career uh, as a priority but if that is going to impact your family then you need to do something about it um so all my priorities and my decisions that i have taken are based on the fact that family is the highest priority so let me see what i do so for example when i got married um those were the days as i was saying that uh, you know there was like an it boom and from within our country people were getting trained and sending sent to us as an example right many of the companies were setting shops in the us and uh, indian talent was probably uh, you know cheaper than um, uk us uh, talent so people used to be you know sent to the us for working uh, in software firms because it was a great opportunity for us indians to go abroad to earn in dollars and you know explore the world etc but i knew that for me i have to stay in india because uh, i'm the only child to my parents and i my parents would have been okay uh, you know they would have managed but i felt i couldn't be that selfish to go away looking at my life and my career abroad and leaving them here uh, i didn't want to do that so i very clearly said that my priority even when i'm getting married is to get married to someone who is in india so that i can be around my parents um so i think it started very early on very very clear thinking i had because i knew what my values were and because of that how do i define my priorities even at work based on the phase of life that i was in i said okay what is priority and hence what kind of roles can i take um so in the initial years of marriage of course you know i i had enough opportunities to travel enough and more and those days travel was never a restriction right the, the drop of a hat you can you know go for 3 months 6 months you know abroad and uh, because that's the kind of uh, uh, an environment uh, and the kind of opportunities that existed but i thought to myself what is the point you know my husband was running a business here in bangalore he wouldn't travel with me because his business is here i mean those days remote and all was didn't exist right so he had to kind of be here i go away for 6 months to a year i felt then what kind of a marriage is this Correct. I didn't find any meaning in that, so I said no. I would rather sit here, which if that meant that I had to compromise on the role, if that meant that I would get a 
lesser amount of exposure because of which it, my learning curve would be a little longer. Uh, my next promotion may take a little longer. It was okay for me because I didn't want to jeopardize my holistic life. I always talk about a holistic life. Career is one part of it. It's not the whole and soul. You do have to focus on it and it needs to be given that importance. But there are so many other elements. So ensure that you have a holistic life. So that way, priority setting was always there, I think, in my life. Um, and uh, I, I took it in every decision that I had to take. Uh, so when my daughter was born, um, there was a decision about whether I would quit or whether I would continue. I wanted to quit, but uh, people at home advised that you take a break. So I, uh, my company was, you know, generous enough to give me 10 months of leave. Um, and then I went back to work and I chose roles which would allow me to go back at six o'clock to be with my daughter. Of course, it changed when she grew a little, uh, you know, uh, I, I decided that now I think I need to go away, maybe, you know, travel a little bit on site for a few weeks so that there is visibility of, you know, me as a person to people out there and bring back work here and all of that. So... I've done many, many different things to keep my career go along with my personal life, depending on the phase of life that I, I have been and the challenges and the circumstances, you know, that were around me. So priorities always came very, very, you know, easily to me. It doesn't take too long for me to sit down to say, which is highest priority. Family will always be highest priority, but, you know, anything after that. Um, and then because families has priority, anything else that is kind of... Um, uh, not allowing that to remain highest priority, how do I deal with it? You know, so that, that kind of decision making becomes very easy uh, when you are that clear about your priorities. Uh, but prioritization takes time. Um, people, if, you are, if I were to ask you, what is your priority number one? You will tell me two things or three things because you have three things you know, that you want to achieve in the next few months, years. I say, no, what is one? What is that one thing? To get to that one thing is very difficult. So mm -hmm. I tell people, think of it that if I tell you, you can do only one thing, right? It's it's kind of a COVID world where only one thing can be done for the next six months. So out of those three or five or hundred, what is that one thing that you want to do? Because maybe you'll never get a chance to do it again. That might enable you to actually pick out the top priority action or, you know, item in your list. Then I say, now if you if I allow you to take a second one, what would that be? So it needs a little bit of reflection, deep thinking, communication, talking with your peers and family and everyone else to say, this is what I'm thinking for the next six months. Will you support me? I will need your support, etc. You can't just do it in isolation. But uh, yeah, so to your question, it came very early on in my life. And uh, because I, I was, uh, I think being this meek, timid, shy girl, right? I did a lot of internal reflection. I observed a lot. I didn't get carried away. I observed and I then started, you know, kind of consuming whatever I observed and saying, how do I deal with this in my own life? So I think it kind of came in very early. So beautifully shared. And I love the distinction you brought about in terms of uh, how knowing our values is the first step before we go into our priorities and the uh, you know, a lot of us listening to this conversation will probably be millennials uh, who are still discovering themselves, who are still, uh, you know, not sure who they stand for. So what would you tell them in terms of identifying their values at that age? Yeah, it's a very, very good question. I have a 20 year old, right? So, you know, uh, 
I, the other day I was talking to someone else. I think we were on a panel discussion where uh, we were talking about the great resignation, right? It being a candidate's market today. Uh, people are shopping for jobs till the last minute or maybe even you know after joining, we don't know how long the candidate will stay on because they get the kinds of salaries being offered by competitors are amazing. So I narrated a story this uh, this ANZ story is one of them, uh, but the, the story with the Manhattan Associates, the second company that I joined. So it was a very small company and uh, they had given me uh, a huge jump from what salary I was drawing at Sonata. I was very thrilled. And then I got uh, a call for another interview and uh, I went to that interview. I told them I had this offer and they bettered it by 20% the offer. Now, I could have just kept quiet and joined them, but I felt the need to actually tell Manhattan that this has happened. I called them up and I said, this is what I have on hand. Uh, since they are bettering the offer, is there a possibility that you can kind of make an equal offer? I would definitely consider joining. And the MD called me and said, come, let's have a conversation. And he said, see, Nuja, I can definitely better my offer. I can make it as good or better than what you have. But there were two things that will happen. You will, you will work with us for six months and there will be a performance appraisal after that. And I know you will do an awesome job. Knowing you, I know you will do an awesome job. Then I'll have to raise your salary after six months. But because I'm bringing you up at such a high you know, salary, I won't be able to give you a very high increment after the six months of performance, despite the fact that you've done a phenomenal job. So I will have to give you a small increment. It will pain me. It, you will also feel bad. But after working for six months, I didn't get a good uh, increment. Or you join us at this salary. And I will guarantee you that you will, I know, will do a phenomenal job. The appraisal and the bonus and the increment that comes with it will be something that, you know, even this company couldn't be able to match. So tell me what you want to take. So I said, okay, I will come at this salary and then we will look at, you know, appraisal time. And he stuck to his word, appraisal time, you know, the, the, the phenomenal growth, the phenomenal numbers you know, in my uh, bonus as well as the increment. So I was asking the people on the panel, is it that I was willing to wait for the six months? Do today's candidates, you know, do they want to wait? Is it that instant gratification that they want, which is what is the, you know, issue? And I also look at my daughter. I mean, she's an exceptional girl, very talented. And uh, she's studying in her final year degree. She's been working for the last two years, you know, I aspire for her where I also consult and, uh, She's done some amazing work at Aspire for her. She does everything in the college, whether it is debates or, you know, trainings or something. She does fairly well in her subjects also. And she wants to enjoy life. She wants to do this. She wants to cram everything into her life. And I keep telling her, why? You know, it is a long life. I get a sense that you may be achieving 10 things, but are you enjoying each of these? You're just jumping from one to the other. It's almost like ticking the box that I did this, I did this, but did you really enjoy that? So even when she's sitting and watching TV, she'll have a laptop and she's actually sending some emails. So I don't know where the focus is, right? Um, so it is important that you prioritize. Uh, even to my daughter, I say that now you are in college. Of course, it's a great exposure you get by working and she's got that, but uh, you will not get college life again. So why don't you slow down on that work? Because that is there for a lifetime. And enjoy your college. 
So you can, you're still enjoying. She said, I'm still enjoying. Yes, you are. But it is such a fast paced thing, right? Um, so that's, I mean, I don't, I have not been able to make sense of this to my daughter. So I may not be able to make sense of this to anybody else. But I would really want them to, it's not instant gratification. As I said, a holistic life is what you need to look at. And each one's holistic life could be different, right? Are you doing podcasting? And that is a part of your, you know, that canvas that you have painted. Uh, I have not done that. I may write, but I have not explored podcasting. Uh, just because Shweta and every other person is doing podcasting, should I bring that also into my... No, it's not that, right? Um, I do many things. People ask me, how do I do... So, and why do I do so many things? Because there is one big passion um, or you know the the impact that i want to create which i put it on my linkedin i say passionate to bring about a mindset shift a positive mindset shift with everything that i do uh, for women and you know young professionals um so uh, maybe podcasting will also give me that but if i have to invest that kind of a time then something else will take a hit so i will you know kind of weigh both of them and say, will I get that kind of an impact from this or that kind of an impact from this along with enjoyment, correct? It's not enough to always only make money. Did you enjoy the process of making money is also, you know, important. Uh, so that's one. And number two, maybe podcasting is, you know, I want to do. But does it have to be done this year? This year, I'm already packed. So let me do it next year. doesn't matter. So what if Shweta manages thousand episodes by in one year? <laughs> I'll be behind her. It's okay. But I create my space next year. So that is very important for everyone to say that live a holistic life. Paint that holistic life at every stage. It's, it will not remain the same. Every six months it might change. Every year it might change. But paint it and say that, okay, uh, it's a very good tool is, you know, what is called as the wheel of life. If, if people have seen that, it's a very, very beautiful tool. So what are the elements that, you know, the wheel has to be rounded for your, you know, vehicle to move well. Uh, so similarly, in your wheel of life, do you have every you know spoke at the same um, distance and length? If not, then which are those three spokes that you want to kind of fix this year and then move on to something else for next year? It is very, very important. I beautifully shared in terms of having that perspective of holistic life and also the question of when to do it, right? Uh, it is great that you have so many interests and you want to do so many things, True. but is now the right time to do it? Exactly. And what you mentioned about instant gratification, right? That's, I think, a very real problem all of us face. And I think even I would have been influenced by it so many times because there's so much peer pressure. There's so much information about what every other person is doing day to day, right? Considering, say, 20 years ago, when you would probably catch up with a person and you know one year later what they've been up to. Today, we get to hear updates on LinkedIn almost like every couple of seconds about promotions and designations and this and that. So it's very hard to keep up, right? And I can almost relate with your daughter in the sense that you feel like you need to run and, you know, really do everything so that you're not left behind. That that fear is very real. Uh, how, how do we really bring in that perspective, you know, that life is a long game? When, when, the, when the, you know, the perspective around us is to keep running, keep running till you burn out. You know, how do you really maintain that perspective? Um, very difficult, I think, because you need to be an evolved soul for that. <laughs> um, and that is where the peer pressure part of it, you know, comes. Um, see, everyone is, you know, doing what they, and I, you know, I also, I'm not saying that, you know, I've been an evolved soul forever, right? When I finished my 10th, 
Nothing has changed between finishing 10th then to now. Everyone will want you to take science and everyone will want you to do engineering or medicine. So it was the same. The whole world was, all of my friends were doing, going to take up science. So I said, I'll also take up science. Never thought about what am I good at, what would I like to do, etc. And then everyone is going to take science and write the, I mean, Karnataka, right? This is a CET, common entrance. Or, you know, that time it, it used to be a separate medical entrance. It was not a elite and all of that. And the funny thing was that everyone was writing both CET and the medical entrance. Aren't they two so very different fields? How can you just write both and wherever you get, you go? Because, but so I said, every, what do I do? I definitely didn't want to do medicine because I'll spoon at the sight of blood. So engineering, because everyone is writing the engineering entrance. So I did, I took science because the rest of the world was doing it. I prepared for the entrance because everyone was doing it. But I spoke to my father. See, you can't just go and write entrances without some coaching. Okay. Everyone was going for tuitions. My father was very clear. You got into a very good college. Study there and write the entrance you wish to. No additional tuitions. And uh, he said, if you get an admission into a college in Bangalore, I will let you go and do engineering. Uh, anything outside of Bangalore, don't even come and talk to me. Um, so I studied, tried my very best. I gave up TV. I did, you know, mornings, nights, everything. Of course, I didn't have the additional resources that other students had in form of tuitions, etc. But I did what I could. I scored miserably in my test. My physics was just 50 or so. Chemistry was bad. Uh, the only thing I was good at was maths. And I got, I could have gotten better marks but because I tried my best to do my physics and chemistry. My maths marks also came down, but they were the best out of the four subjects. Biology was useless. And I wrote the entrance and I got, uh, you know, into some college far away from Bangalore. I didn't even go and speak to my father. <laughs> Everyone told me you can apply for a transfer. Because that's how things are. Because everyone writes many other entrances. So all the seats don't get taken up in Bangalore. They will transfer you to a Bangalore college. But I knew I was not going to argue with my father. Discuss this. Because very clearly said. If in Bangalore we'll do it. Otherwise not. But the other thing that it did to me was. I struggled the two years. I didn't enjoy life at all. And I ended up with pathetic marks. So I decided that. Now I'm going to study what I like. Doesn't matter what the rest of the world is doing. So I went and I chose a BSc combination. It was maths, economics, statistics, because I knew I can't do physics. I cannot do chemistry. I cannot do biology. I can do only maths. So what is maths and relevant? You know, something like maths I was looking for. So statistics, something like math. Economics, I didn't know what it was. I thought it's something like maths. Let me go do this. Today, it's a great combination. In those days, it was an unheard of combination. We had only 20 students in the class because those who didn't get admission into any BSc came to that combination, I think. But I will tell you the three years of my BSc were so beautiful. I enjoyed it because those were the subjects that were so, you know, I, I, was, I used to ace. I mean, I used to write, solve maths problems as if I was solving crossword puzzles. So I just enjoyed, I topped the class every year. I could have walked into an MSc because, you know, I was the topper. So peer pressure for me it came in early uh, and I kind of you know got, in, got out of it also early after that again ma during marriage right the whole all my friends all my cousins were getting married and going abroad because that's what they want to experience but I was very clear so every time I've done things very differently and everyone thinks that uh, you know what a stupid decision it was it is it is 
in hindsight, people will always say that wow, it was a great decision. Um, but I was very clear. In those two years, I realized that I will do what I want to do, even if it doesn't get me that kind of money. Being in India may not get me dollars, but I've had a great life because I've lived with my parents, my family, and you know, I think I have all the perks of living in a country like India, where you have maid servants and you have a cook and you have a driver and you have everything else, right? Um, so it it is important for people to you know reflect and i think i'm hoping that because of the covid it will get some reflections i'm really hope because i hear that a lot of people quit this job and went about following their passion and things like that uh, so it is important but i think the youngsters again um because the opportunities are plenty today and they want to try their hand at everything and they want to, you know, prove that they are good. Or, you know, the other reason is they want to, I think we all said, okay, we will go in this way and see what it does to us. Correct? And we were okay. Here, everyone wants to really um, experience that first and then decide whether this is this is the right thing for them. So they want to experience 10 kinds of jobs. They want to experience, you know, everything else that is available around them to enjoy but everything doesn't have to be experiential. Um, a lot you can learn from a podcast like this, you know, from somebody else's experience. Um, otherwise, you take take a longer, you know, uh, uh, time frame to do the experience also. That's that's what I feel. So, but very, very clearly, you have to forget the rest of the world and do what you believe in, what interests you, what is your passion. Because only then you will be successful, whatever that definition of success is. Success doesn't necessarily mean money, right? Success means many, many different things to different people. So however you define success, um, you will get that only when you do what you want to do. Otherwise, you'll just be, you know, running the race. You will probably not be in the, you know, front, you're somewhere in the middle uh, and you're just dragging yourself, you're pulling yourself um, and you'll just not enjoy it. Beautifully said, beautifully said. I think uh, knowing your passion and it never will really tally in terms of what you want and what the rest of the world wants and really sticking to it in the long term to see how it plays out, right? I think uh, most of us who've been like switching careers every couple of years, we don't even know the long game. We've never played the long game for anything, right? So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. I think uh, for me also, if I continue, being miraculous will be the longest thing I've done in my career. So it'll be, uh, it will be really fun to see how that comes out. But maybe you will do that because you're passionate about it. It is something that you have wanted to not do because, not because the rest of the world you know, asked you to do or you know, you're following someone else. Exactly, right? The, the why in terms of why are you really starting to do this and what made you uh, begin in the first place? Beautiful. I know we went all over the place, uh, but... Uh, to wrap up this conversation, there's one yeah. question that we usually ask almost all our guests, right? Because our theme is around self-transformation. And one of the things I really discovered was that it's not a one-time thing, right? Like, I remember when I had like an aha moment the first time and I was like, oh my God, I'm a different person. And then, you know, a couple of days later, you realize there's something else that's coming up and, you know, you're again in an obstacle race and you need to jump through the hoops and discover yourself once more. So self-improvement or the self-transformation, the way I see it is a continuous journey, right? And are there any practices that you've implemented in your day-to-day -day life to make sure this actually happens intentionally, right? Mm -hmm. Most of us go through it accidentally. 
we hit a roadblock we hit a dead end we hit a rock bottom and we say oh my god this is not what i wanted and we have to like you know scrape our way up but what i'm realizing is that it can be a conscious process right so uh, what kind of practices do you usually adopt in your day to day life to make sure that this is a conscious and an ongoing process of improvement yeah so one of the things that i always speak about is um, that i network well and i have a large network and i continuously grow my network um that doesn't mean that i keep adding thousand people onto my linkedin every month if that happens but i actually take time to get to know the person and to build that relationship and in in the process learn from them right so the minute uh, so today's conversation you know while um shweta you may have learned a few things from me i'm sure i have picked up a few things from you uh and that's what happens when you are in a part of a larger network more than reading a book i think uh, what you learn from others is you know yeah, amazing huge so i do that uh, i i definitely do that i'll never miss an opportunity whether it's online offline to be part of an event or conference and i also be safe you need to have a very diverse network usually what we would do is okay this is my interest so if i'm in the field of education and say the diversity and inclusion field then i'll go and attend every dni conference talk i say go and attend as many diverse meetups that you can so i have actually attended a conference on podcasting while i don't think i'm going to do podcasting for whatever number of years to come but i think this is a upcoming industry looks like you know people um, every other person wants to be a podcaster every other person wants to listen to podcasts and there are uh, people who want to place ads on podcasts and all this really booming industry so why so i said i'm going to sit through this podcasting conference imagine the kind of people that i will interact with at that conference versus my day job which is more into leadership training etc so i suddenly learned and and it's not about learning the skill it is about the mindset that you develop that opens up and you suddenly think, why did i think about this I mean, because you're always you know thinking like this now suddenly you're meeting someone else who thinks differently you will also start thinking you know a little different so that's why number uh, 2 uh, that i talk about is about listening to and reading books while i'm not you know such a great you know book reader or you know listening to podcasts etc um you know i was at this uh, women in product conference that um, nascom had organized last week uh, and i was conducting a workshop there uh, where one of the challenges that the women said was there aren't enough role models in product especially women role models So I just did a Google for women in product and women in product in India, and the number of names that came up. So I said, you don't need to have a role model next to you in your house, in your team, in your company. One is you can become the role model. Two, there are enough and more outside. So today, you know, there's so much available on public domain. Can you ensure that you calendarize a little bit of time every day to listen to you know one video interview one podcast one small snippet or you know follow some of your role models on social media and read what they are you know speaking or saying or writing etc that's the only way to improve you can't keep going into you know classrooms and you know sign up for a course every year maybe you know if you want to improve on your technology on your domain and certain things that is required but i think the biggest biggest transformation and self improvement is here in the mindset in the thinking in the openness that you want to bring about for which uh, i think networking and uh, ensuring that you are able to 
do this bite-sized learning on a you know daily basis. You don't have to spend hours. I read someone who had said that even if you are able to spend 20 minutes per day, can you imagine what kind of a person you will be at the end of a year? So if we can do, do these two things, I think uh, we can definitely improve. Lovely. Thank you so much. So with that, we'll move on to the rapid fire segment. Are you ready? Um, I have my questions here. All right. Uh, have you noticed any patterns in terms of how women approach work or life? And is there like an advice you'd probably give young women listeners who are listening to this show in terms of some one takeaway that you've seen from your experience mentoring? Um, I think I would definitely tell everyone about the priorities. I'm, I know again and again harping on it, but uh, definitely... Because that's where it starts. That's where it starts. Many, many women will tell me, I don't have the time for it. Or in the evening, I have to cook for my family. Yeah, please go ahead and do all of that. But what was your priority? You know, I, I do a lot of sessions on work-life integration. I don't say balance. I say work-life integration. And I say, uh, supposing you, you had five things to choose from. Uh, I hope it's not rapid fire because I'm going to do a long answer. Um, Say you had to clean the house, you had to sit with the child for homework, you had to cook a nutritious meal, you had to kind of, you know, run to the gym for your own fitness and something else. Uh, and you had only half an hour available every day. Which of these would you do? Correct. Uh, if you had your priorities listed that I want that promotion next year. And then the second priority would be that I need to spend time with my child. And the third priority would be that, no, I need to get fit in some order. And the last one could be, the fifth one could be that I need to keep my house pick and span and so, you know, I need to kind of uh, clean it up, etc. In that half an hour, the minute you have your priority list, you will know that because it's the promotion that you are, you are working towards, if you are not getting adequate time to do that, whatever additional at work, you may take that half an hour, if not every day, but two, twice a day, twice a week or three times a week. To do that additional you know, learning or certification or whatever it is. Uh, if you didn't have that, you may be sitting and you know, cleaning the house in that half an hour. And you will never achieve that priority, right? So I always tell women, all of us have the same problems. You know, you will have in-laws and you will have family and friends and you want to do things for the rest of the world. But if unless and until you prioritize, you will not be able to throw away a few things or delegate a few things. Everything doesn't have to be done by yourself. Can we just learn to delegate also, both at work? And outside so that's definitely one of the things that i tell women networking is is a must while it also enables our mindsets it also builds connections which is what is going to be useful as you grow both personally and professionally third and the most important that we may not do enough of women don't do is ask ask for what you want uh, it could be a role it could be a promotion it could be help it could be something I, you know, uh, I, I keep telling my my daughter um, she wants to attend certain conferences this year because she's in a final year, right? So she wants to go attend conferences, network with people and really learn about what's happening in the industry so that she can decide what kinds of roles that she wants to go or what kind of what masters she needs to do. Now, certain conferences, uh, you know, you get invited, uh, you, you, you kind of uh, place a request, you may not get invited. And they have their own selection criteria. And I tell her, ask, you know, find out who's running the conference. There'll be somebody somewhere on LinkedIn that you can connect to. And, you know, you say, I want to be part of it. What's the worst? They may just say, no, sorry, we can't accommodate you. But what is the best? 
you may get a pass to the conference and then life could transform for you and uh, so you know that's a small example that i gave but but anything and everything that you need you want to aspire for go and ask don't keep your mouth shut lovely so prioritize network and make ask. sure to ask Yes, <laughs> you asked me, right? What was the worst that could have happened? I could have said sorry, but I said no. I'll be. Yeah. And <laughs> here we are having this lovely conversation. I think it has to be. Uh, I've really enjoyed the last sixty minutes of our conversation. Thank so you. I'm I'm so glad I asked. <laughs> but yes, I think it comes. It it's not easy in terms of putting yourself out there because we are. I think as society we are very trained to you know fear rejection. Uh, you know it's just something like you know rejection is like the end of the world and it's it takes a while for us to get used to saying that that's a part of life too you know yeah. sometimes you get a yes and sometimes you get a no true and you don't have to give up even if you get a no you keep at it you know yeah. you keep at it so i i you know there was a, i'm this program that i'm running for aspire for we are actually looking at uh, upskilling um, economically weaker section of you know girls uh, and uh, then looking at actually placing them in jobs so we go to colleges first was online and we tell and we are looking at graduation you know so final year students second year students kind of a thing we have to place them so if they are much younger then we can't do the placement i don't know how this girl got an invite because we said it only through the college right so the college mm-hmm. will only call those selected students but in one of the colleges i think it was bihar somewhere patna there was this girl who was 11th who had also joined that um, you know session and she kept asking why can't i apply for this program why can't i apply for this program why like continue to say it is for the final years it's for the second years you can apply when you come there she was not satisfied i finally said go apply we'll give you an opportunity to be part of the program and she did it <laughs> so it doesn't matter be at it persistence <laughs> pays yes <laughs> <laughs> lovely and uh, i think i'm also uh, aspiring author so i'm always curious to ask this question what what prompted you to write the book okay um so i have been writing and why did i start writing those small pieces that i write on linkedin or wherever is because uh, when i started when people started inviting me to talk at conferences or speak uh, i had all the audience come back and tell me that the way i narrate uh, what i speak and you know my style is also storytelling is very different and very impactful it moves them to take action so i felt that if you know 15 20 minutes or one hour of me just speaking my mind and you know narrating stories of my life could be so transformational for people i must do more of it this i'm talking about in 2019 when probably the podcasting scenario was not this high or maybe we were not aware of it so which meant that i had to wait to get invited to a conference where i could stand in front of the stage and you know speak to the audience so i said this is not going to be easy mm-hmm. I said, how else can I reach audiences? So I started writing. I said that way I can put it out on you know I don't have a blog of my own, but I can put on guest blogs, LinkedIn, social media, and more people will read. And it did happen. So that's how it started my writing of the small articles. Then at on this platform, Aspire for her, I used to do a monthly column. Uh, it was supposed to be for girls because Aspire for her initially started for girls in the age group of eighteen to twenty-five. Now of course we cater to all women across the in a board um but i started writing for that age group and what was i writing about you know not the usual things so if if someone wants to grow as a leader then you you are told the usual things right this is how you communicate this is how you dress up the blah 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 it was not that it was these were things that people wouldn't even think about for example like ask 
I may write one entire topic on ask. And you know, what do I say in it? My experiences of how I asked and how it enabled me. Or my daughter asked probably because many times I've got this that yeah, at your age you can say all of this, but it doesn't work for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I my that particular blog used to be in that format, the topic which you usually don't you know hear about, uh, but it is a very important ingredient in your growth and a story for my life and a story for my daughter's life. Uh, that's how I did it. I must have done about 10 odd articles and it got a lot of good feedback. So I eventually decided I must turn it into a book. That's how the thought of the book happened. But I have to say that that is probably something which I'm not prioritized <laughs> because the book has not yet gone out of the, it's not in the stands because I wanted to have it out in 2021. Um, but uh, it didn't go out even 2022. It's still in the works. So see how, and I will tell you, right, one of the things that um, we uh, give reasons or excuses, you can, you know, say either of it. Um, I will do it when this happens or I'm not yet ready or whatever, right? So with the book also, initially I was thinking of, it has to get published by the best of the publishers. And I did the research and I was told that not every book gets picked up by the best of the publishers and even if it does then it's about a one one and a half years journey from the time they actually read your your manuscript could be the whole thing or maybe the first three chapters and then you have to work along with them for the 18 months uh, and then it gets published and I said 18 months oh god I don't have the time for that okay and I said let me do my my own self-publishing but what has happened is it has probably taken 18 months and I've not done my own self-publishing also. So the thing I'm so while the book yeah has to happen, keep asking me that question when the book is going to happen. But that's how the idea of the book, and I should, you know, get it out. But another learning and lesson from this is that don't wait for that idea. It can never happen. Uh, can you just do what you can do today, even if it is a very little even if I can write 10 lines, it's enough. I may not be able to write that entire chapter. But that 10 lines every day, just like I said, 20 minutes of learning every day will eventually you know, get you the entire book. Uh, so, um, yes, the book has to happen and it will happen. <laughs> but, oh, uh, oh, gosh. That's I, how the, the, the thought of the book came. Beautiful, beautiful. And I completely sympathize with you. I think I finished writing the first draft of my book in February earlier this year. And I keep saying I need to edit it. I need to edit it. <laughs> Never happens. Like yeah. I, it's like my mind makes up hundred other things to be busy with, just so that I don't have to sit with that document and read what I've written myself. Exactly, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but I hope to read it soon. Uh, really looking forward to it. Yeah. All right. I'm just going to ask one last question, and then um, in, is there anything that you would probably want to share with the audience that we missed asking in the conversation? Anything that you'd like to share? Um. I think um, what I would like to tell people is to take action. While I said a little bit, you know, when I was narrating the the book story, we've spent about an hour. I think this will probably come out to be an hour long show and people who are listening to it are, you know, contributing an hour of the time. You, you will do more than an hour for sure. I've spent my one hour here. We have our reasons for doing that beyond, uh, you know, the branding that we will get, both of us will get for uh, having done this. There are other, you know, tangible, intangibles that will come. But are people who are listening to this or anything else or do whatever they could watch or read, is it for entertainment or is it for learning? 
because many, many times we come and sit in all these conferences, we listen to this podcast, we read a book, etc. You actually implement it. Even one thing, you don't have to do, there'll be 60, you know, action items from you. You don't have to do even one thing. And you go about, you know, just actioning that. That's a sincere request because many, I, I've started feeling that because initially, you know, I just went about, you know, speaking wherever I felt like speaking, I wrote. But off late, I'm feeling if in the last five years that I have, you know, done talks and at every conference, even if 100 people came, and I must have done about 500, you know, odd conferences by now. 50,000 people should have been impacted. Where are those 50,000? I should see something really miraculous happening and transformation happening and I'm not seeing that. So, I know it is entertaining when you listen to a particular kind of a speaker, when you read a particular kind of a book. But uh, I think we are not here for entertainment. We are here for learning. And that learning will happen only when you implement something out of it. So, act. Uh, Please, please take some action after this and mm -hmm. after every, you know, such a, um, event that you go to or, you know, podcast that you listen to or a book that you read or whatever it is, please take action. Beautiful. So always asking that question, are we here for entertainment and for learning? And uh, if people who listen to it actually act on something that you've shared in this conversation, where can they reach out to you and let you know that they've acted on something? Yeah, so I think currently I'm available on LinkedIn. Of course, I'm available in all other social media, but more LinkedIn um, because I have not developed my own website or, you know, anything like that. So LinkedIn is the place they can, you know, follow me, connect with me and uh, of course they can let me know. I'll be very proud uh, that, you know, our effort has uh, been put to good use. Uh, or if you have any more questions, I'm happy to answer those questions also on LinkedIn. Beautiful. So I'll make sure to link your LinkedIn page uh, on our website when we publish this episode so that people can actually reach out to you. Thank you so, so much for your time and for the innumerable stories. Uh, really resonated with a lot of things and taking away a lot in terms of uh, actioning for my own personal life as well. So thank you so much for getting on board and being a part of this conversation. Really grateful. My pleasure, Sweta. And uh, I wish you the very best with not only the podcast, the book and everything else that you wish to do in life. Thank you. Thank you so much.